welcome to the Why Behind the Buy, a podcast for marketers focused on finding and targeting their ideal customers at scale. I'm your host, Monique Ruiz, and today we are getting political. As you know, we're less than a year away from the next presidential election, and candidates are already out with boots on the ground vying for your vote. But what are the biggest impacts on voter turnout and participation? And as a business, should you care who voters are choosing or if they're voting at all? Over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll be talking about these topics and more. Joining me for today's episode is a new expert, David Mesas, VP of Business Development here at Claritas. He's got some great insight into voter trends and is going to share his wealth of knowledge with us. So David, welcome to the Why Behind the Buy. Thank you for having me, Monique. Pleasure to be here. Of course. So as you know, we just had local elections on November 5th, so we thought it would be a great time to talk about what recent election voting behaviors may mean for the future. Claritas is working on a voter infographic series, which we'll be releasing monthly for 2020 leading up to the election, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. So throughout today's podcast, you'll hear David and I talking some facts and figures, which will be part of this series. The data itself is a combination of U.S. Census Bureau data, Nielsen Scarborough data, and our own Prison Premier segmentation and PopFacts demographics data, just to kind of cite our sources for you up front. So let's go ahead and get started with a few quick facts and figures. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, about 67% of the U.S. population are registered voters, which is a positive number to hear. But David, is there any correlation between those that do always vote in elections and which party they align themselves to? Not necessarily, but you can break it down in other interesting ways. For example, those that attend some college, not necessarily those that are degree holding, are, are, are the largest group of always voters at all levels of elections and near double digit millions in some cases. They also have the highest number of registered voters. But generally speaking, the more educated one is, the more likely they are to vote. Okay. So from census data that I've seen, over 30% of the population has a degree. So I would have thought that the degree holders would be the largest bucket. Well, if you combine those with an undergraduate degree, those with a postgraduate or graduate plus degree, then yes, uh, they would be the largest number of always voters. They also index higher than those that fall in that quote unquote, some college bucket. But if you're looking at pure numbers, those with some college experience still come out on top. Okay, that makes sense. And does age have any bearing on whether or not you're a registered voter or more likely to be a registered voter? Absolutely. We've seen the, the largest group of registered voters falling in that 65 plus range as you might expect. The smallest group being that of the 18 to 24, which are generally the the Gen Zs and the millennials. Uh, In fact, the older a person is, the more likely they are to be registered to vote. It's nice to have the data behind those numbers since you can sometimes see what feels like a different story on social media, for example. I personally find that a lot of younger voter aged individuals seem to talk more politics than perhaps those that are older. But when it comes down to it, conversation doesn't always reflect action, as we know. So I'd I'd love to dig more into that, but I think we've got a lot more topics that we want to get into in kind of a short amount of time. So let's talk now about race and ethnicity when it comes to voter trends. The past few years, a big hot topic has been immigration. And in the news and media, we've heard plenty of stories of racial tension that have come to the surface. So how are various ethnic groups exercising their voices politically? 
Yeah, good, good question. And it is a topic that's that's it's very important nowadays and, and something we need to to cover. You know, in our in our new in voter infographic series that we're releasing in phases this, this year, uh, we'll be breaking down how the population votes by three groups: always, sometimes, and never. Caucasian registered voters tend to fall in the always vote bucket at a much higher rate than the sometimes or never categories. Over 87% of whites always vote in presidential elections, which is quite impressive. When you look at black registered voters, for example, they're not too far behind with 82% of the population always voting in presidential elections, same as the Asian registered voters at 83% always voting. Where there's a most room for improvement and also with the fastest growing consumer groups, the Hispanic registered voters, their numbers are at 78% always voting in presidential elections. But as with all groups, we'd love to see all these numbers increasing this next time around. Yeah, hearing those numbers tells me that political marketers for presidential candidates are doing a stellar job with getting voters to always come out for elections. But as you mentioned, there being room for improvement. What can they do to help boost those numbers? In addition to encouraging voter registration, which is something important and critical foundational to to growing the, the voter base, is to take a look at the numbers overall to see what percentage are fence-sitters, those that fall in the sometimes voter bucket. There's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines and only voting sometimes. They offer the best opportunity to push into the always category for voting. Those are the lowest hanging fruit, if you will. And an easy way to do this would be to break it down by geography or ethnicity so you know where your biggest effort is needed to help sway votes to your affiliated party. Find out what's important to them and speak to those concerns so you have a better chance of reaching them at the polls. I love it. Actionable advice. Marketers, take note. (laughs) What about income, though? Can we tell anything by how much voters make as to whether or not we can expect them at the polls come election time? Yes, definitely. The the largest group of registered voters by income make about 50,000 to about 100,000, which is on par with the average U.S. household income. So that's not too surprising. What may be surprising to some listeners is when you look at the never vote bucket. Those that make the least amount of household income, a bucket we have at under 30000 a year, are three times more likely to never vote than those with the highest income at 200000 or more. So essentially, you know, the more income you make, the more likely you are to vote. But these issues impact everyone regardless of income. So there, there's an area for growth uh, and, and focus. Right. Uh, Yeah, I've had a look at some of our data and what stood out to me were some of the indices. Those that make under 30,000 a year, like you said, they index at 164 for never voting. And uh, for those of you at home that don't necessarily understand indexes, 100 would be the average for engaging in a particular behavior. So if you look at an index of 164, like we talked about here, that means that that group is 64% more likely than the average to never vote. Yes. And I love positivity. So I'll focus on some of the positive there. Uh, It's true what you just mentioned. But the positive is that the majority still fall in the always quote unquote bucket for each income bracket we look at. So the majority across all the income brackets will fall in that always voting. Very true. Something to be optimistic about there. Yep, exactly. 
So something that's come up recently has been social media's influence in political advertising. Certain platforms like Twitter and Google are putting limitations on political advertising. And as a side note, there's a great eMarketer podcast. The episode is called Platforms, Political Ad Positions, Feelings About Disney Plus, and TikTok Influencers. And that one came out on December 2nd. Um, this That episode talks in depth about the uh, limitations that these platforms are putting on political advertising. So I uh, encourage everybody listening to our podcast to also take a listen to that episode in particular. So in some cases, they're restricting micro-targeting capabilities, which as an example, that would be targeting based on voter registration. And in other cases, they're not allowing for retargeting or they're cracking down on misinformation like incorrect election dates listed, for example. And other platforms like Facebook, though, have stressed that they're maintaining what they call freedom of communication and they're not following suit. So before we jump into a commercial break, David, what are your thoughts on this? So one important potential consequence of these decisions is the fact that many ethnic groups, and especially younger voters, are heavy social media users. So these platforms would be would provide a perfect channel to reach them as a political marketer. Mm-hmm. But limiting or doing away with the ability to reach or target them may have an impact on, on their campaigning tactics. Uh, you're essentially limiting the, the way to reach where most of these young voters are getting their information nowadays. Right. Also harm those who don't have a large enough budget, whether it's local candidates, municipal, county level positions, or even state house positions. And a point that's very obvious, ads on social media are relatively inexpensive in comparison to TV or radio. So this becomes all the more important in a presidential election when the national candidates, the national parties and highly funded interest groups are pushing the cost of TV ads even higher and higher, making it harder for new players to come in. Combine that with the rules certain platforms are putting in place, it's going to become increasingly more important for marketers to use strong data partners like Claritas to get their message in front of their intended audiences, whether it be younger voters uh, and or the the fast growing multicultural uh, ethnic groups. Yeah, I think it's important for marketers to be working with expert partners regardless. And I think that probably goes without saying, but I totally agree. Investing in a strong data partnership can help navigate tricky situations like this, especially since this hasn't necessarily been an issue in the past. So let's go ahead and take that commercial break I alluded to earlier. And when we return, we're going to be talking about whether or not businesses should care about who wins an election. Stay tuned. This episode of the Why Behind the Buy has been all about voter trends and election voting behaviors. If you're interested in learning more about what has the biggest impact on voter turnout and participation, then download our newest infographic series, The Road to Election 2020, the Claritas Voter Series. We will be releasing new infographics on a monthly basis up until the next presidential election. Find this series for free at www2 claritas.com slash claritas underscore voter underscore series. I know it's a long one. So if you didn't quite catch that, we'll make sure it's in the show notes on the podcast platform you're currently listening on. So David, we've talked a lot about the always voters, the sometimes voters, and the never voters by different types of categories. But what exactly does this have to do with a business? Basically, why should they care? It might be easy for a business to think they shouldn't care about who wins an election or what bucket people fall into when it comes to always voting or not, but it absolutely is important. Whomever's elected has a direct effect on a business through the tariffs they put in place or the sanctions passed. While a business probably should not try to persuade individuals to vote a particular way for fear of bad business ethics, 
They can do their part in encouraging people to register to vote and actually get out there on election day and exercise that right, whether it's local, state or national level. Businesses should be encouraging consumers uh, and employees and others to to really get out there and, and have their voice heard, regardless of what they're thinking is politically. Right. So studies have said that one of the biggest barriers to a higher voter turnout is because of a busy schedule, with work being one of those barriers. But 150 companies actually launched a coalition back in 2018 called Time to Vote, which they hoped would increase voter turnout since it was at a historic low in 2014. And then other companies have extended their commitment through their Take Off Election Day campaign. So what are you seeing in terms of opportunity at the business level? What does the corporate landscape mean in a political atmosphere? Well, since multicultural audiences often represent the largest opportunity across the board, they're driving most of the growth in the U.S. population from a consumer standpoint and also business standpoint. And they're also growing at a faster rate compared to other ethnically owned businesses, right? Yes. You know, for those businesses, uh, you know, interested in reaching other businesses, the Hispanic owned businesses are increasing dramatically. Between 2012 and 2018, the number of U.S. Hispanic-owned firms increased 40.2% compared to 18.8% increase for all other firms. And to parallel that, Hispanics have also been driving over 60% of the population growth during that period. And so we're seeing a, a parallel between those two numbers. And just as a FYI to those of you listening at home, those facts and figures are all from the Claritas Hispanic Small Business Report, which we released earlier in 2019. And that report was developed from our findings with our Small Business Behavior Track Survey. So David, how does the fact that the amount of Hispanic-owned businesses are growing, how does that fit into the voter data that we've been discussing here today? As mentioned before, who wins the election, whether at the top with a presidential election or at a local level? will work to put into place new laws or new taxes or new tariffs. With the current administration, we've seen a heavy focus on bringing business back to producing American-made products instead of outsourcing or having factories overseas. So as a business owner, what happens in an election can affect your bottom line, whether positively or negatively. So basically, whoever is in office could have a major impact, not only on businesses, but the everyday consumer as well, since we'll likely be seeing either cost savings or raising uh, raises in the products that we're picking up off the shelves, right? That is correct. Okay. So you mentioned some data with regards to Hispanic-owned businesses, which are growing fast in this country. And what's interesting is that, again, from our Hispanic Small Business Report, around 70% of Hispanic small business owners are under the age of 45. And when you think back to what we mentioned before, that Hispanics are the least likely to fall into that always vote bucket in comparison to other ethnicities, that seems like a great place for political marketers and candidates to focus their efforts as well. Yes, Hispanic-owned small businesses, for example, are ahead of the curve for online sales with more than 36% making most or all of their revenue online, compared to less than 18% of non-Hispanic-owned businesses. So that alone tells you that they're tech savvy. Mm -hmm. Political marketers would find great value trying to reach them digitally to, number one, engage them to vote or encourage them to vote, but to also try to understand what's important to them as a voter. And um, again, here's where it's important to to have the ability to connect with these folks digitally or through social and ensure you're not just identifying them by age, but also connecting with them with a culturally relevant messaging, ensuring that you're addressing the, the issues that are important to them. 
And while we're calling out Hispanic businesses in particular here today, the same process could be applied to other groups, whether we're looking at race or ethnicity, age, gender, or otherwise. There's a ton of different ways that you can slice and dice data to see what people are or aren't doing. But considering the sheer opportunity provided by Hispanic businesses, we thought that'd be a good topic focus today. That being said, are there any final parting comments you want to make, David? Anything else a business or a political marketer or individual consumer should know? Well, I mean, one thing I, I do want to point out is, you know, we mentioned the, the, the Hispanic consumer growth in terms of that 60% plus of the population growth over the last 10 years. Uh, but in general, the multicultural groups, Asians, Blacks, Hispanics, are driving over 97% of the population growth, which right there, that's a big opportunity to drive voter participation into those scoring groups. In addition to the growth that they're driving, I also wanted to clarify that a lot of that growth is actually organic. U.S. born births, it's not all driven by immigration. Although immigration has been, uh, was flat for a while and now has been slightly increasing, uh, we're seeing that the majority of the growth is coming organically. And so there's, there's a lot of opportunity here with the, the issues that those types of consumers or, or voters are, care about are much different than, for example, you know, the issues and concerns that, that other voters may be concerned with. And so that's one point that I wanted to clarify in general about the, the growth that's happening and the opportunity that it presents for, for companies trying to, to reach them. But more importantly, for politicians that, that want to connect with this group that, as we've seen, as we've heard from today's conversation, tend to not always vote, perhaps don't feel like some of the politicians are, are listening to them. And any politician that just shifts that focus or some of that energy to, to pay attention to those issues and bring them to the forefront, uh, we'll, I think we'll have a, an advantage in the next election. But most of all, what I want to encourage is for everyone to get out there and vote and encourage others that you know have not registered to get out there and be registered. So thank you all for the opportunity today. Yes, 100% agree. Get out there and vote. So we're going to wrap up the final episode of 2019 here. As we don't want to give away all of our data, we need to save some for that infographic series that we've been talking about. You'll find more on what we talked about here today in the Road to Election 2020 Claritas Voter Series, plus more that we didn't get a chance to talk about, like what's going on in swing states or which segments to target for your own Get Out the Vote campaigns, including how best to engage and reach them across channels with messaging on the issues that are important to them. I want to thank my guest for today, David Mesas. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Monique. Appreciate it. Of course. And always, if you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to the Why Behind the Buy so you never miss an episode. Go ahead and rate us five stars, share us with a friend, and leave us a positive comment. If you liked what you heard today and want to learn more about the election voting behaviors in the U.S., visit that website that I mentioned earlier, www.claritas.com slash claritas underscore voter underscore series or continue the conversation with us over on our social channels, especially if you want more voter podcasts in 2020 as we lead up to the election and as we release more of these infographics in this series. So we're taking the rest of the year off for the holidays, but we'll be back with a new season of episodes in 2020, including an episode on podcast marketing, a look at women in business, how to reach online shopping cart abandoners, and so much more. So stay tuned. Have a safe and happy new year, and we'll see you in the new year.